0: In just a moment, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 22. If you want to have your Bibles open, it will also be on the screen, but I'll be making several references to the passage during the message, so you may want to have a copy of Scripture open. Before I do that, uh, I want us to have a time of prayer. And as Hannah said to the children, uh, one of the most important times of worship is when we're not talking, singing, where we're just quiet and we're listening. So I invite us to a time of silence to be in God's presence as we bow our heads together. And then I'll lead us in prayer. Gracious God, we come to you seeking your face, acknowledging that we stumble with two of your primary commands of repentance and thanksgiving. Teach us more about being honest about our own sins and weakness and failures our own uh, flaws, the ways in which we hurt others, hurt you. We pray that we might experience cleansing and renewal when we come to you with that kind of honesty. We pray that you'll teach us more about the habit of thanksgiving, that we would get out of our griping mode and hypercritical mode and truly learn to live with gratitude to receive the gift of each day, each breath, and each blessing. We pray today for those in our congregation who are struggling. There are so many dealing with medical diagnosis, dealing with marital and family stress, dealing with job related pressures and disappointments, dealing with doubts and fears, dealing with grief, the fear of uh, what the future might hold. We ask that you hold this precious church family in your loving arms. Shepherd them and love them. and Care for the deepest needs of our people. Pray for our nation. Guide our leaders. We always pause to thank you for those who serve in the armed forces and for the protection they offer. And we pray your blessing upon them and upon their families during times of separation and sacrifice. We ask, God, that you bless our mission partners everywhere over the earth, thanking you for the privilege of being connected globally and being just a tiny part of what you're doing all over the world. We offer you thanksgiving for that and pray that you might help us to be faithful in our partnership and that today, all over the earth, where the name of Jesus is proclaimed, lives would be turned to you. So now as we approach this scripture and we think about what it means to overcome our artificial human-written boundaries, uh, As we explore what it means to be truly one in Christ. Open our minds and our hearts. And we pray that in everything that is said and done you'd be glorified. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. From Ephesians 2. Beginning in verse 11 I invite you to stand. If you're able to do so. As God's word is read aloud. Ephesians 2.11 and following. So then... Remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, called the, circ- the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being a- aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He, was a, he has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity and the place of two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and preached, Peace to you who were far off, and peace to you who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have you ever hated somebody? Or hated an entire people group? Or maybe you're living in that hatred of a person or of a particular group of people. You know, uh, that kind of hatred of individuals and groups uh, can happen two different ways. If you think of a funnel, the large uh, end at the top, maybe we begin because we've been taught to hate an entire people group and so it comes specifically down to one person since that person is in that group therefore I hate her or I hate him or you can flip the funnel around maybe we have a bad experience with a particular person of a particular ethnicity or uh, some kind of people group and therefore we expand that hatred out to all of the people who are like that person Hatred's a terrible thing of an individual of a people group it sucks a lot of energy uh, we can develop biases and prejudices and hatred against race, against ethnicity, against religion, against politics, against social class. There are just so many ways that we can, we can slice up our humanity. And we do. The Apostle Paul addressed it head on in this scripture. And he points out that there are two kinds of estrangement. There's a loneliness and a being cut off from God, but there's also a loneliness and a being cut off from other people. And actually one exacerbates the other. It's, it's horrible when people feel both cut off from God and alone and cut off from others and all alone. And that's, he's addressing both. In fact, in that uh, famous triplet in verse 12, he talks about how awful it is to be without Christ to be without hope, and to be without God. And then he weaves in that not being a part of God's family, being excluded, that aloneness, that estrangement, that being cut off is a horrible thing. I uh, read the story once of a man who was going to go uh, on uh, on an overseas trip on an ocean liner. And before he boarded, he found a little boy and paid the boy money to wave at him. The boy was still on the shore, and as the boat left, he paid the boy to wave at him so he wouldn't feel all alone. Is there anybody here who enjoys being left out? You know, whether you're four years old and you don't get invited to the party, or whether you're 40 or 90 for... Nobody enjoys being left out. And the Apostle Paul is talking about the excruciating pain of being cut off from God and cut off from one another. And then in verse 13 he says, but now in Christ. I love those four words, but now in Christ. Paul does that several times in Ephesians. He does that pivot, but now in Christ. But now in Christ... Paul says, Jesus brought us who were far near by His blood. For He is our peace, and He has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. Most scholars believe that the dividing wall that Paul is referencing is that wall in the Jerusalem temple that separated the outer court where the Gentiles could mill around and maybe get the the crumbs of blessing from the chosen people. And then there's this wall and the inner court where only Jews could go, that dividing wall that separated people. By the way, archaeologists in 1871 discovered a limestone plaque. And the limestone plaque had these words written on it. We could get it on the screen. No man of another race is to enter within the fence and enclosure round the temple. And whoever is caught will have only himself to thank for his ensuing death. That was the warning put on the wall that archaeologists found. Now I would say that church has some work to do on their hospitality ministry, wouldn't you? That's not the kind of messaging that you want to do if you want to reach the world for Christ. But that was the message. Warning, don't cross this line. Don't don't cross this boundary. Don't don't come over this wall. And so Paul used an image that everyone could understand as he was trying to get people to see that Jew and Gentile, all of us, no matter who we are, no longer strangers and aliens, but in Christ We come together. Now, here's the fascinating thing about the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ not only brings us together, tearing down that wall, that partition. The cross of Christ not only brings us together horizontally, but the cross of Christ brings us to God because Paul says in verses 15 and 16, he's abolished the law with all of its commandments, that he might create one new humanity in the place of two, thus making peace, and he might reconcile both groups to God in one body. See, that's the power of the cross. At the cross, there are no special claims of privilege. At the cross, all of our claims that God loves us more Or that we're somehow more deserving. Or that we've somehow earned more points with God. At the cross, all of that just melts away. And we are all level at the foot of the cross. And God's love comes pouring onto us at the cross. And God who knows us best, who knows our flaws and our failures and our ugliest thoughts and our dirtiest deeds, this God who knows us loves us, and in Christ forgives us. And that's also why the cross creates such violent reaction among people. Because at the cross, we can no longer maintain this claim that our group is special. At the cross, we can no longer claim that our group is loved more and favored. Because at the cross, we're all the same. And all the groups dissolve and melt away. And it's a powerful image when you think about it. As Paul is saying some revolutionary things. But how does this apply to real life? Hundreds of applications. In the 1800s, when immigrants were streaming into our nation many of them through Ellis Island. Historians record that businesses and shops had signs in the windows, hiring, help wanted, and then in big letters underneath that, Irish need not apply. Irish need not apply. Interesting, isn't it, that over the generations, the groups we hate, have changed but the hatred is consistent we just find new groups to hate last year in South Carolina there was a historically black church that had a vision to feed hungry children in their neighborhood so they were working on some donations and some grants they were writing grant proposals And some people found out about it. And they received one day, this church in South Carolina last year, they received a $2,000 anonymous donation. And the person, the donor, said, I want you to have this money because I used to be a racist. He said, and then Jesus Christ changed my life. The Holy Spirit changed my life. And being involved in a local church changed my life. And I no longer hate. The Apostle Paul says, one new humanity. No longer strangers, no longer aliens, but together. Tertullian uh, was an early church father. He lived in the second century of the Christian era and uh, he made some insightful observations as a christian and as a scholar he said these these factions these nationalities these ethnic groups these races these strangers who were taught from birth to hate and to mistrust other groups these strangers who were conditioned from their earliest years to hold others at a distance who were not like them suddenly begin following the Jesus way and he said the testimony of the outsiders become behold how they love one another because you see those categories disappeared for them Jew Gentile rich-poor, black-brown-white, slave-free, male-female, class, politics, culture, all of those boundaries, Paul says, are passé. They're, they're old news. They're old-fashioned. They're out of date. They don't work anymore. We are one new humanity in Christ. We are no longer strangers and aliens. I once heard of a professor at seminary teaching on missions. And he he had such a heart for the world. He said, he got worked up one day in class and he said, did you know that God can't tell a foreigner from from a local without a program printed by a human being? God can't tell a, a foreigner from a local, without humans drawing the map and the boundaries last September, our church lost a dear servant. Fred McKay passed away, one of our deacons, and the for many, many years the director and leader of our food service ministry, and uh, at the service that we had for him. Uh, His neighbor came up to me and uh, she said, You know, I grew up as his neighbor my whole life. And when I was a little girl, I remember Fred built a fence between our properties. And after he'd built the fence, he came over to our house and sat down and said, Now I built the fence, but I want you to always remember there's a gate. There's a gate. One new humanity. No longer strangers and aliens. What would happen if each one of us this morning heard this passage of Scripture with fresh ears? That if we heard this passage of Scripture so deeply that it broke up the crusted over prejudices and hatreds and biases that are so deeply embedded in our our souls? What would happen? And what is it that needs to happen in your life and mine for some wall to come down or for some fence to have a gate cut in it? What wall in your life needs to come down this morning? Let's pray together. As we bow for prayer, I want us to be reminded of the power of the gospel, the power of the cross, that at the cross we're all broken sinners in need. But the moment we acknowledge that, the overflowing mercy of God is available. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Paul says that wall has come down and that Jesus is reconciling us to God as well as to one another. Would you step into that grace? Would you by faith open your heart and say, yes, Jesus Christ, come into my life? I, I turn, I repent of a life that has shut you out, that has shut you out. I receive you by faith. I commit my life to you. During our response time, in just a moment, we'll be here at the front if you're praying to receive Christ, or if you've done that recently, or if you feel called to join this local congregation, or you want to come and pray about a particular matter, right where we stand this morning, a wall that needs to come down. You and the Holy Spirit wrestle with that issue. It might be with a person, it might be with a group. Heavenly Father, thank you for your sustaining grace and your patience with us to continually learn anew the gospel call. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.